What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Lions Blog Podcast. This is your host, Gavin, uh, coming back to you after a 1-0 win over Toronto. And unfortunately, we, we weren't able to record after the 2-1 win over Philadelphia in the Open Cup. So we are going to talk about that as well. Uh, just really, really quickly, just, just high level. We I don't really feel like going into it. Um, but but before we do that, just got to, of course, introduce the person on with me tonight. And no Adam or Chase tonight, so um, I dug deep. I, I dug into the depths of my uh, podcast network and got, obviously, <laughs> the third co-host available. <laughs> that is Daniel. What you're, really meant to say is that, what you're really meant to say is that you stuck with me and that I'm actually 27th on the list, not third. <laughs> no, no, you're third, you're third. Whoa. Um, welcome yeah, back, Thank you. <laughs> I really, funny. um, I really tried everybody in my network. You know, uh, mm-hmm. all the guests who have been on. Who's been on? Taylor, uh, the guy from the Roar was on once. Um, I think you even went to your next door neighbor's house. Asked them if they had fans on. Uh, uh, Eddie, that's his name. Eddie was on. <laughs> Eddie's cat. Uh, yeah. You were trying to get Eddie's cat as well. Yeah, everybody but yourself, Daniel. <laughs> I'm flattered, really. I was. It was an honor to get the text at 7:30 this evening. <laughs> I'm being completely and utterly last choice. You know, it's it's absolutely brilliant. I found, now I know how uh, Jacqueline's going to feel when he finally gets his start. <laughs> exactly. 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 Okay. Um. So I kind of sprung this on you. We didn't talk about this beforehand, but just. Wanted to get your quick thoughts on the Philadelphia 2-1 win. Did you see the match? It's on I a did. Tuesday night. Yeah, I saw it. I, I had a, a little bit of a dodgy internet on Tuesday night and I had a power outage you know, just before the Toronto game. So I missed a little bits of each game. But um, Philadelphia was a, you know, it was, a, it was, I think it was a good game. I mean, you know, I was thinking, just looking at the, the league table and... I think you've got to give some some props to Philadelphia for the team they put out. They put up a really good game, I thought. Like mm-hmm. um, they were competitive, and and that's what you want to see in a cup competition. Is you want to see you know a good competitive game, and you know Orlando did plenty to to win. I mean, they looked a bit more at ease. I felt, you know, than they have done in the league. You know, probably partly due to Philadelphia lacking some fluency, but um, you know, it was a it was a good game. I felt that. Orlando did enough to win and they got that result. So, all in all, it's good. It's another another home tie as well in the next round. So, it's uh, you know it's it's a good little pathway to um you know to maybe some silverware soon. You know. Yeah, and, and possibly a CCL berth. Like it's it's a, mm-hmm. one of the paths to that. So. Oh, that's that to me. That's more that's more significant than the cup itself for me. You know, because yeah. I, I feel like the cup is a little bit of a I'm not going to call it, you know, like a crapshoot or anything like that, but it is a it is a competition where teams are having to kind of rotate the squad a lot more, especially with 
having the, the shorter season because of the World Cup and everything. So, you know, they can get a trophy, which is always good, but the, the CCL space to me is the... That's where you put your, your marker down as a, as a football club, like to to say you've gone up a level, you know? Mm-hmm. Definitely, that's, yeah. That's so. your, yeah, that's like your expectation. That's like levelling up and then, you know, and then you can maybe attract, a, you know, some different types of players for that as well. So... Yeah, it's it's good. It's all moving in a good direction, and as long as you've in it, like in any cup, as long as you're at home, which I think Orlando will be up until the the final, if I remember correctly. Um, uh, I think we would be away if we go through. Um, oh, isn't it the, for the semi-final? Yeah, I'm trying to. Th- oh, is it the semi-final? Okay, yeah, I was trying to think. I was trying to recall from memory, but. Um, but yeah, quarterfinal I mean, or semifinal, but yeah, we'd be away once at least. Oh yeah, you're right. I think it's the semifinal. Yeah, it's one game off the final. So, I mean, even then, you know, as long as you get a home tie in the cup, I mean, you'll you always back the home team to win in a cup. I think. So. Yeah, and that'd be awesome for for mm-hmm. Orlando to be able to host a host a final um, for Exploria. That would be well needed for our fan base. I think. I think um, some you know something like that would be, you know, would definitely be a. You know, be a positive. I mean, that's that's what you got to do is to get bums on the seats and you know people through the door and whatever. So, yeah, let's go ahead and move to the Toronto match though. And the the first line of questioning comes kind of off the back of the the Philadelphia match. And the big thing was Perea had a much better game, probably his best game of the season against Philadelphia. I, if we were to have a podcast on the Philadelphia match, I think we would have we would have had a discussion on just how much space I felt Perea mm-hmm. was given, and he just took advantage of it. I don't think they really pressed him all that much, and he just kind of took advantage of the space he had. Um, and that's just his overall play. In the Philadelphia match, he scores a worldie, scores that mm-hmm. 30-yard rocket bottom left corner. Beautiful goal. Beautiful, beautiful goal. Lovely goal, um, well- to hit a ball as true as he did is extremely difficult, you know. I mean, yeah. You know, and he, he did it. I mean, he, he hit it perfectly. I mean, I was happy for him when he got it because, you know, he's, he's had his uh, critics, I think, this season, you know, and he's, he's had lessons to learn, which, you know, are justifiable, I think. But it's nice to, to have that little redemption arc for him because, you know, at the end of the day, he's only a young player. He's only 21 years old, so... You know, and it's something like that can can kickstart a season. You know, that's exactly where I was going. My personal take on cup competitions, and and I was at the game, and I know a lot of people were nervous, but with with the Open Cup, I, I'm always very, I'm much more calm than I am during a a league match because to me, it's just these are always matches that are a little bit more chaotic. Players that don't play together usually are on the field. Um, so, for example. Pereira starts in midfield with Araujo. That's not a pairing that's really played much together. Mm-hmm. I think they started the Montreal match, and Cal yeah, Smith's at left back. Halliday's in there, who had a poor first half. So, so th- these are usually chaotic affairs, and so I'm never really uh, too big uh, on them in terms of tactics. But Pereira does get that goal, and I was thinking throughout the week, I was like, me should. Should Pereja give Pereja a start against Toronto? And it was just something that was in the back of my mind because sometimes all you need as a player is a little bit of confidence. And and that game against Philadelphia, 
um, I think gave him some confidence. And Pereja was thinking, I'm going to try and take that confidence, try and take that momentum and apply it to the next game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for Toronto, Pereja didn't really do much. I thought he was fine. He was a, a squad player. He didn't really make any big mistakes. But what do you? what is your take on, on a coach trying to harness confidence uh, of maybe a squad player who probably wouldn't have started this match uh, if he did not score that goal against Philadelphia and have that performance against Philly. I think that's good good man management by Oscar, to be honest. And you've got to be objective with your squad. Like you've, you've got to be fair to everybody. And let's just, let's just put this argument to another player for a minute. Let's just say that Facundo Torres has kind of been up and down. Let's just say he scores that goal. I mean, we would be expecting him to start the next game. The rule should be the same for any player that you know that puts in a, a game-changing moment like that. You know, I think I think it's good man management. I mean, you've part of the difficulty of managing players, especially younger players, is is knowing when to to pull them out of the firing line and when to and when to give them an opportunity to thrive. And if a player comes in and, and plays as well as he did, scoring the goal that he did. And then you don't play him the next game. I mean, you're not really sending the right message out to to anybody in the team, let alone any younger players that are, might be on the fringes of your squad. So I think it's good man management. I would have done the same thing. Yeah, and I think I was thinking the same thing. Like, maybe Perea should start. I think that, like, yeah, why not? You know, he had a good performance. Let, mm-hmm. Let's give that, that kid some momentum and let's bring him back from from the dead because you gotta we're done these, with you, him. You gotta make the the other players sweat a little bit. I mean, you know, the best squads in in any league are the ones that have players pushing each other for, for positions. So, you know, a player like Junior Rosso, for instance, he needs players like Pereira to push him. Otherwise, his form's gonna dip. You know, you need you need. I suppose in an ideal world, you need two players for every position. You know, it's not always possible. I mean. You know, we were just talking about this. We looked at the subs benches for the lineups before we we started to record. I mean, the benches are, you know, they're pretty dire, really. You know, Toronto have like six players on there. Orlando had the full full nine, but you know, they, you know, as far as game changers go, there's only really two players there. You know, so a lot you know, of homegrowns and draft picks. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, they're not really looking at many minutes. You know what I'm saying? And you need you need quality to come through. You need a player to put in a performance and push his teammate. I'm all for it. Like uh, again, great man management by Oscar, I think. Yeah. So let's kind of turn the discussion around to a different player then, because uh, something that Oscar has been criticized for in the past, as a coach in general, uh, in Dallas, he was criticized for this heavily towards the end of his reign, was that he. Um, he was a good man manager for the people that he liked uh, or, or sorry, he was a good man manager, but he, he, um, he had favorites. That's kind of what I meant there. He had favorites mm-hmm. and someone who's had um, quite a, uh, a down season is Juan. Carl mm-hmm. Smith comes in, gets the goal. It's off of a corner. Defenders aren't supposed to score goals, obviously. Do you think Kyle Smith is given the same treatment that a Perea was given, and maybe he starts against Austin? 
I think Al Smith has to start anyway, because for one, we're getting a lot of silly cards every game. You know, it's three out of four defenders booked again. You know, Smith, I mean, I suppose if you apply the principle we just talked about, then yeah, you should you should start the game. I mean, scoring a goal should not guarantee you a start exclusively. I mean, Perea's performance entirely was 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 a game-changing performance right. individually. You know, and even if he didn't score the goal, there was an argument that he played well enough to certainly come into the team. But the goal kind of just, you know, sealed the argument with Carl Smith. It's just a strange one because that's. I'll, I'll just be consistent and say, yes, you should put him in. Whether it should be for Juan or Moutinho, I don't know. But given that they're away to Austin on the road, and Austin are pretty decent now going forward. An attack, I would certainly play Smith anyway. I would rather I would rather have a more defensive fullback on one side of an attacking one on the other anyway. So yeah, I mean he should get his start. He's he came in, he got a game winning goal and he you know, he, yeah, give him the start. Let's be consistent with this. I'll say yes, he should start. Yeah, I'm not really sure about whether Moutinho or Juan would be the one to come out. I would prefer it to be Juan. Because I think Moutinho has been actually very impressive this season. Uh, he's mm-hmm. he's someone who um, we've had our, our issues with on this podcast, you and I specifically. And mm-hmm. um, defensively, he's been much better, I think. He's been consistent on the ball. The inverted runs have looked good. Yeah. Um, and, and it's been a different role for him. He hasn't been the the overlapping guy. He's been a lot more secluded, a lot more kind of midfieldy and I think the less space that he's had to cover has really helped him out. So so I would say Juan comes off, but then we kind of lose our threat in behind, right? Well, Juan's our only in behind threat and with Austin who are going to have a lot of possession, when mm-hmm. we do get up the field, I think we're going to need some in behind threat. So so where do we get that from then? Um and I know we're supposed to be talking about Toronto match, but this this just popped up in my yeah, head. So. It's a good it's a good you know question because I I see what you're saying, but my my argument is that I would take Moutinho out, and the only reason I'd say this is that Austin play with the um, you know the four two three one. They're very very tricky going forward. They've got you know Juicy and Fagundes and such that you know make good runs forward, and. Moutinho, to me, he's one, he's one mistimed challenge away from getting a booking, which he tends to do quite often. And if he gets that card in the first 15, 20 minutes, then you're compromising him for the rest of your game. Like he's, that ability going forward that you just referenced, and you were correct to reference it, um, he... Um, that might get negated a little bit because once you're on a card, you're going to play a little more conservatively. Yeah. If you're, if we just assume that one's going to start, which I think he is, and like you said, he's really the only threat we have as far as making the runs from deep. You know, he's. It seems like anytime we're on the right hand side and we have a third man run, it's always going to be one making that third man run. So he's probably going to remain in the team. I would take Moutinho out for this one, put Smith in there, and I would. You know, try and keep things a bit tight, especially as we're already compromised at centre back as well. I wouldn't want to be caught with two fullbacks upfield against Austin, and one of them probably getting booked at some point in the first half. 
So, yeah, and, and we've also talked about uh, Moutinho, us wanting to rest him a bit, mm-hmm. you know, because he, he can be injury prone. And part of me thinks this might be the a, a good, maybe not the perfect, but a good opportunity to rest him considering, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about um, Kyle Smith scoring the goal, the, the winner. Maybe he deserves to get a start. And then... Mm-hmm giving Moutinho an opportunity to just rest and that's kind of a good excuse and hey we're going to be on the back foot against Austin a bit um the good thing is is that Austin play midweek and we don't so maybe just Mm -hmm. soaking up some pressure early because they're going to want to get this game done and dusted early uh wait it out a bit and then second half go and apply some pressure with uh and try and run it tired legs sort of thing I think this is that's a good opportunity to get Kyle Smith in I yeah, just I don't agree. think Pereja's going to do it. I think I, he's going to trot Jean Moutinho out there again with Juan on the right. And and that would be my frustration. Why why is Juan and Kyle Smith getting different treatment? Is it because it's tactically? Is it because he, he's not a fan of Kyle Smith? Like That would be my frustration. And right now that's just an assumption. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to get all worked up over an assumption. But just talking through it, that would frustrate me. No, I agree. I mean, I think Smith deserves a start. And, you know, he did make a game-winning contribution the last game. That's an undeniable fact. So I would give him the start at left-back. And and given that we have two home games next week as well, that are both winnable home games, I think I'd rather have my, I guess, my most positive and protagonistic lineup available for those two games, I think, versus one in Austin where... Right now, if we put even our best 11 out, I'm not convinced we would necessarily get a win. We'd probably list, we could still lose quite, you know, quite logically, you know. Yeah, So Austin's a good team. They're, they're getting better and, uh, you know, they're, they're an expansion team that, you know, just um, they have a style that they've they've worked on and they've nurtured and starting to come together for them. Yep. Um, so, Jean Moutinho has started every single MLS match and has only been subbed off once, which was the 87th minute against Montreal. He mm-hmm. came off the bench for both uh, Open Cup matches. Um, 40 Came on at halftime against Tampa and came on for the last 13 minutes against Philly. Let's go ahead and focus on the match we're supposed to be talking sure. about. Um, <laughs> so one of the main things that I wanted to discuss, and you brought him up earlier, was Junior Urso. Um, starting in this match he has played 12 times this season nine of them have been starts one of the big exciting things I was um, one of the things I was excited about one of the big things I was excited about is the correct way to say that is um, the rotation we were gonna I thought we were gonna see with Urso between Mendez Araujo and um, Urso mm-hmm. and and I guess Perea in that mix as well what we're seeing instead is is Urso is yet again becoming an undroppable figure in Pereja's eyes. When are we going to see Urso given a break? Is that is Austin going to be a a good um, a good place to do that too? Because he's being put out to right mid right now, and I wanted to get your thoughts on on those ta- on that tactic. Um, he's kind of being put in a right mid position that a lot of us weren't expecting. So what what have what have your thoughts been with Urso kind of the last few matches 
getting put in that right mid position is that out of necessity is that out of tactics mm-hmm. um and is austin a good spot to rest him i think first of all since a good spot to rest him i would do that and i'd give um Mulroney the chance on that side um even if it's just a you know playing more inverted or because he's a left footer isn't he Mulroney? so mm-hmm. yeah so even if he was to go on the on the right i would give him a break for one if he's played that many games but secondly, um, you know, it's clear that Urso is a favourite of Oscars. Um, I'm not the biggest Urso fan. I, I've never really have been. You know, I feel like he's a he's a he's a typical Oscar player, like very disciplined, very reliable, and will work hard. And I, I don't take that away from him. But you know, from what midfielders do, maybe in the more modern game, I don't think he's as clever enough in the middle to to play in transition um, and to link play up as much as I would like. So to see him in the right side of midfield was was a big surprise. I agree with that. Like it's um, it felt more like a defensive type of tactic more than a an offensive one, if you know what I'm saying. Probably just mm-hmm. to you know with with one pushing forward it's kind of like just giving him some kind of protection with a you know like a workhorse midfielder to to help him out. You know, and it is our necessity. I'm, I have no doubt that if if the full complement of of wingers was available, then that would not even be happening. So, it's it's uh it's not a move I agree with, but I don't think there's much choice at the moment. Um, but yeah. Well, Rennie's had now he's had what maybe two weeks I think to get ready to play with his team. So, you know, I would expect that he'll start starting. He'll be starting games soon. So Mulraney's playtime worries me because I we know how much Pereja loves defense in his wingers. And Mulraney is uh, not a very defensive winger, um, not very good at it. Like he will come back and help, but I feel like his positioning is poor. His tackling is poor. Um, mm-hmm. His awareness is poor. So like and, and that's just from what I've seen in Atlanta. Um, and, and I went and scouted him. I, I went and watched uh, an Atlanta match and went and looked at some some clips and just the defensively is is my biggest worry. And I think it will be Parejas, too. So um, but you got to bite the bullet and play the players you're given at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Pereja doesn't because he didn't with Alvarado. <laughs> he doesn't. Yeah, I was, about to, mention him. But, I was um, about to mention him as well, because Alvarado in a. You know, a different system. You know, probably is a decent player. He's he had quite a lot of looks from a lot of clubs in Europe a few well, I years ago. He, um, he was like player of the month recently, and he's got a bunch of goals mm-hmm. for his club wherever he's at. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah, so he's doing he's doing well. Alvarado's doing well, but yeah, Urso on the right. Um, it's all right. It, he doesn't do anything wrong over there for me. Uh, at times, he he I think his He's really good at getting the ball to the final third or so, but he's really poor in the final third, I think, um, other than shooting. So, so like, he can shoot and he can score. Like, he can do that. Those late runs in the box are very helpful. But the creativity side of things in the final third, very, very average. Not even average. Like, just poor. So, so we're missing some of that. Another aspect of this match that I wanted to discuss was something we haven't seen a lot this season is we actually 
went long a couple times. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and this has been a, a constant theme on the episodes this year. If you haven't been listening, which I assume you haven't, um, we've been I've listened playing... to a couple of them. Oh. Makes my heart flutter. Um... I do. I, I, I listen to podcasts when I drive and stuff. I that's the only time I really get to listen to them uninterrupted. But yeah, it's, you know. it's difficult. Well, I appreciate that. But yeah, a, a constant theme's definitely been the the passes along the ground. We're not going long. That's why we were so poor against New York Red Bulls and Montreal. We refused to kick the ball into the channels. Mm-hmm. And it felt like today, and, and maybe this was just a Toronto thing, um, as they were pushing their, their right wing back up. Uh, but we were going long to Facundo Torres in behind. Um, and, and that was getting us some territory that was getting us into the final third a bit. And it was keeping the pressure off of us. Um, do you think that is something that is here to stay? Or do you think that was something we saw in Toronto that we liked that matchup and felt we're going to go long over the top. And that's going to be, uh, an aspect of, of this specific game plan. I mean, I hope it's just something that you see, you know, on a game-to-game basis. I, I don't want it to be a, a facet of the general play because that's something that you can defend against really quickly, you know? it's Really? I think so. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't take long for a coach, a decent coach, to figure out that, oh, they're going to play Atlanta for Kunda Torres. Well, fine, close down, you know, the player who's most likely to play Atlanta, which is Janssen or whoever it is, and then... You know, stick a man on Torres, and that's it. You know, you've then you nullify that particular game plan. So, I feel, I feel like the the interest of the team is still best put, served in, you know, trying to get your best midfielders on the ball and, and trying to open up play. You know, getting the ball into the final third and then and then making space. I, the long the long ball tactic. I if you do it every game, it will get it will get nullified. You know, trust me, it will. I mean, New York have already shown that you know you can press this team into oblivion. It won't take other teams long a long time to work out that you know if you can't stop Torres, then you'll just you know you'll stick another defender in the back and maybe play free at the back, and you'll stop the threat that it has that way instead. So, I think it's something that you do like in the game. You adjust and you try and do it in the game, rather than have it become a a regular feature that teams will plan for, you know? Yeah, so I don't want it... To, I would not want long ball to be our main go-to no. tactic like Red Bulls have, right? So so their main go-to tactic is kick long, win the second ball, build from there. Um, they have the lowest percentage mm-hmm. success rate on long balls in, in the entire league, and I believe they have the highest attempted long balls, or maybe Philadelphia oh, do. trust me, I've, um, been watching, I've been watching Leeds now for two months with Jesse Marsh. And I like <laughs> listen, a complete disclaimer, I like Jesse Marshaka. I think he's I think he's a good coach, but from the low percentage Red Bull system that you ref you know, you just referenced mm-hmm. oh my goodness. Um it's it's just so narrow and so predictable, you know? I feel like that if you if you if everything hits at once, like it can work really well, but you need everything to hit. You need your strikers to be to be on it. You need your midfielders to be completely on the ball. You need your wingers to be in sync with everything else. 
if that doesn't happen, it's it's miserable. And that's what I'm saying with Orlando. Like we can't rely on that as a tactic. We just don't have enough players. And um, you know, it, a tactic like that could work in the MLS, maybe because the level of defenders is generally lower. But it's still something that eventually just gets snuffed out. You know. Yeah, yeah. I don't want that to be the main tactic, but I think I think long ball needs to be a part of our play at at, at times. And it just hasn't been this season. We, I referenced this on, I think, the last episode or two episodes ago. We had the lowest amount of attempted long balls per 90 in the entire league. We just weren't trying them. Um, and most of them were, were from goal kicks, really, and then clearances. And those were counted as long balls. So the reason I think that it can help with the press, Daniel, and, and feel free to tell me if, if you think I'm wrong, but we were getting pre- <laughs> I should have seen that one coming to be honest. We were getting pressed to oblivion by New York Red Bulls and getting heavily pressed by Montreal to the point where mm-hmm. we had three shots and two shots in those games total. So five shots in two go- two games. We couldn't handle the press. We had no outlet. And so when we got the ball, we just needed to get out. And what's the best way to get out? It's to get territory. Kick it to the channels. Heck, kick it out of bounds deep in their half so you can just get out of your half and, and go press them and, and and it's just a territory game at the at that point and we again we we didn't see that we kept trying to play through the press we tra- kept trying to play short and through the midfield and it just wasn't working and in this match toronto didn't really press like they pressed the midfield like any team does it wasn't it was pretty standard stuff and, and toronto's not a good team but um Going long, just it's easy, it's simple, and it can get you into really dangerous positions very quickly. And sometimes you don't have to do the pretty play through the press to to win a game. You you just have to go over it. And I, I, I hope this is here to stay and it wasn't a, oh, you know, Toronto have Thompson on that right back. And then they have Perusa at their mm-hmm. right wing. And these are two players who would not start for any other team in the league. Um, or really even make the bench for some of these teams in the league. Like these are not all stars by any stretch of the imagination. Kerr isn't great either. McNaughton's not a lights out center back. Let's attack that right side. Let's push them back. Let's get them running back towards their goal. So they are focusing on that instead of focusing on getting up the pitch. I hope I hope this is going to start to become a theme rather than a um, rather than just this match, because if a team knows that you have the ability to threaten in behind by going long, they have to step back. Like you said, they're going to they're going to have to change their tactics. They're going to have to pressure Janssen. And Janssen wasn't the only person who played long to him. Urso had a long ball too over, over to that side of the pitch. I think Araujo Araujo did too. So they're going to try try and change the tactic that way. And then they're going to drop off a bit, right? So yep. then when you see they drop off, then you start to play short again. And then you try and take advantage of that space that you've gained from making them back up. So do you see what I mean there? Did you? I know I just like word vomited everywhere, but am I making sense? Yeah, I just got the your word vomit just made me remember that scene in Team America World Police where the guy's just outside puking for like three minutes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Every time you think he's going to stop, he goes again and starts again. Yeah, that was me. But yeah, that's you talking tactics. But yeah, um, no, you, you, you're right in what you're saying. I, I totally agree that, you know, it, a good team should be able to adapt. You should have a plan. You know, you should always have a very good plan A with kind of like a plan A2 sort of thing, you know, where you'll just do something slightly different. Like you say, a long pass into the channels or or something like a specific threat in a given game where you'll identify a weak player and you'll target them and, and you know maybe that's what they were trying to do you know like i said i don't want us to become a long ball team but you know it needs you need to be able to mix it up a little bit i mean it's difficult to play through the press you know like every game you're gonna have to have you know, a very good, talented set of players to be able to break the press every game. And unfortunately, you don't really get that unless you're at the top levels anyway. So it's something that, you know, Orlando has to figure out. And I agree against teams like Red Bulls, Montreal, if you're going to have to kick it down the line 60 yards and do it, you know, you do what you have to do. You have to try and win a game. That's your first priority in any football match is to is to find a way to win and if you can't do that then you need to find a way to not lose so yeah i'm, I'm, I'm all in favor of what you said i think you were spot on yep uh the, the big theme of this match and, and we're probably gonna get out of here soon um i really don't have much much to say on this match mm-hmm. it was frustrating for us in attack yet again um I guess just want to get your overall take on the issue with our attack and Adam, not Andrew, Adam, Chase and I have talked this segment to death in terms of our Mm -hmm. attacking issues this season. Um, I want to hear your take because it's shown yet again, this was not a good Toronto side and it took a 92nd minute header off of a corner uh, to get us three points in this match, even though it's away, this should be a match we're winning when you look at the two teams that started mm-hmm. this match. Yeah, I think with the players available, they should have certainly done more. But um, my my biggest gripe is just it's just the general tactics that, that we play. I think, you know, you've, you've got to... I get the impression of Oscar that he's a coach that would... He would like to draw games rather than go for a win. You know, and the difference is that, you know, you can go for a win and you you might lose, but if you draw and sit back, you're likely to, to lose as well. So I think that, I don't know, I'd like to see us just be a bit more attack-minded. I always feel like a good team, and when we talk about mentality, you know, mentality is not just about learning how to scrap and get a point. Mentality is being, you know, basically being good enough to play the game on your terms and make other teams adapt to you. And I don't think the attack is going to click when we're on the defensive so much, you know, and, and you, all you're relying on is um, is playing in transition moments, which I think is a, a risky strategy. I mean, like you mentioned, the New York and Montreal games, you had five shots. That's what playing in transition does. You know, you, if you rely on that and you haven't got the players to to play in transition, which we don't, then it's a losing strategy already. So I'd like to see Orlando, literally, I'd, I'd like to see him play 10 yards further forward. And I'd like to see them get the ball down on the on the deck a bit more and pass and move a little bit more. I think, 
I don't, I don't know if it's an, an issue with with a lack of confidence or whatever. But the only player that, other than maybe Pereira, who I think has got that confidence, is you could argue Torres has it. Um, you know, and Pato is probably the only other player I would say has the confidence to to come between the lines and get the ball. But you need you need more players to be able to do that. And I think Oscar changes it up too much and tries to defend too much. That's that's pretty much my, my analysis of it. He needs to stick with a team and try and play the game on the on the team's on terms. And if you're going to lose a couple of games doing that, then fine. But if you have six games and you win four and lose two, that's better than um you know than than winning three and drawing two, losing one, you know? Yeah, so um two things here. First, I, I think with the ten yards further forward thing, I think he Oscar wants to do that through Mm -hmm. playing through a press and i don't think that's possible hence why i want us to long ball it i I, that's long ball into the channel not just to the middle to cara and try and win that second ball i want us to go to the channel and make them run backwards that's Mm -hmm. the different long balls there people not you i know you already know that um in terms of the the draw win or lose thing it's funny that you say that I, I sent this text to Chase and Adam Saturday, 5 p.m. So right that's after not the, the, not the That's not the picture of you running around the kitchen in your underwear, is it? Is it no, that no, one? No, no, no. Because no, you no. sent that one to me as well. <laughs> what I said was saying this now before I forget it as a talking point on the next episode. And this was going to be my last question, so I'm happy you brought it up. Would you rather win or lose but rarely draw or win some, draw some, but rarely lose. Hmm. And you, with... you were saying win or lose, right? I think so. Yeah, I think because you're not just trying to, you know, build a, a winning streak for the season. You're trying to cultivate a mentality in a team that, in my opinion, the more you do that, the better you'll get, and then you'll identify the team's weaknesses while you're doing it, and you'll you'll strengthen those areas to make that particular philosophy about it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that was my take after the Red Bulls and, and Montreal match. Um, I think we, we've we been testing ourselves against those teams, and we just failed the test miserably in both occasions. Um, so, so I was saying Oscar learned a ton from those matches, right? Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Like, like, it's good to do that now, but I feel like we could have learned a bit quicker and um, maybe learn for 45 minutes and try to win for 45 minutes or something like that instead of a full 90. Um, but that being said, I, there's pros and cons to each, right? Like losing is never good, right? When some draw, some is some people feel is better than, than losing, right? They would rather have draws and wins and and be able to say we're unbeaten in seven or something like that. Yeah. But But let's say you draw four. Sorry. Let me just finish this. Let's say you draw four and win three. What is that? Nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. Or win four and lose three. That's 12. So, so like the points are basically the same. They're very similar. Win five, lose two instead of draw none. Like the, the points, three points, it's better than one point for me. So I think going for the win is where, is where I, I lean. Go ahead. Oh, it's, it's just what basically what, what I'm saying is that 
if you attack and you lose a game, say you lose two one or three two, I mean you've got something there you can take out of the game as a positive, and you know and decide like you know we can work on this the next game. You you know then you're going to be buying better defenders or better midfielders, you know that will help you what more when you're on the defensive side. Um, whereas if you just play for a draw and end up losing, then you're going to look at the performance, say it was it was bad anyway, and then you're just going to feel worse because you lost. And again, I always think of football as a game that was played, you know, when you're kids, you know, when you when all these footballers were kids and they played, none of them were thinking to themselves, oh, damn it, we, we need to really figure out how to grind for a nil-nil draw. You know, oof, which, which three of us are going to play centre-backs against their two strikers today? They're not thinking like that. They're thinking, I really enjoy this game. I want to go out and play. I want to get on the ball. I want to show what I can do. And I want to try and win. And that's how I think about the game. And I think a lot of players probably do as well, to be honest with you. I think you've got to go out and, and put your best foot forward. And especially when you're at home, you need to be forcing teams to adapt to your game, not the other way around. And I can't remember the the statistic off the top of my head, but the the win the winning record at Explorer Stadium. I mean, it's it's it sits somewhere around fifty percent or even a bit less, maybe forty five. Am I correct in that? Uh, I read out a stat earlier this season where yeah. like fifth over fifteen games we were at a pretty poor points per game rate. I think it was like one point three at home over the last fifteen. When I read that out, See, that tells you the story in itself. And, you know, the hot take I will have in all of this is that you referenced um, Oscar learning how to play against New York and Montreal, but this is Oscar's third year. Like, how much more learning are you going to be doing? You know, shouldn't you be... You should by now have an idea of what your team can do because one of the things that kind of annoys me is that I always hear people say, well, he still had players from this coach's regime and whatever, but... Um, I think he's had more turnover of players in his favour than any other coach in Orlando. I think he's gotten most of what he's wanted, you know. So at some point, you know, you're going to have to look at him and say, look, you need to start trying to play these games now. You've got to start trying to win and you've got to be a bit more positive in your game plan. And you've got to force teams to bend to our will, not the other, other way around. It's interesting. I, I think a lot of people are starting to discuss Pareja more because it's it's very similar to years past. Same tactics. And that's who Pareja is. We know that. Maybe it's just getting a little old. Um, I, I haven't heard anyone calling for him to be sacked, which is fine. Yeah, I'm not fine. calling for him to be sacked. But, yeah. but this is the coach we have, right? Mm-hmm. He's never going to push us 10 yards forward. He's never going to have us play in their half over a consistent number of games. He might feel that's the right approach for a game or two against certain teams. And and those are always fun games to watch when he does go for it because he rarely Mm -hmm. does. But most of the time, his default tactic is be hard to beat and go for go for at least a draw. Yeah, that's who we have. And, And like. I don't know. Chase Chase summed it up actually really well. He he said Pareja more than most is a coach who lives or dies by the results. 
mm-hmm. he is not someone who you're going to keep around for a long-term process. He's not someone you're going to keep around for um, for the, the exciting soccer style of play he's playing. If he's getting you playoffs, if he's getting you results, then you you want him here. But if he's not, then he's going. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's not that's not how it is for for coaches. I look at Wolf over in um, Austin. Last year was was really poor for Austin, um, and he took a lot of stick. But he had a set way that he wanted to play. It wasn't working last year. They got a couple different pieces in this season, and now it's working. Mm-hmm. And now they're up and near the top of the league. They stuck with him because he had that process. Pereja's thrown out the same very, very similar tactics week in, week out. I, yeah. I, I like the way Chase worded that. No, it's a good way to sum it up. I, I tend to agree with him. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, again, this was a match. It was a 1-0 on the road. It was pretty boring. Each team had about two or three good chances. Neither of them took their... And when I say good, I mean like half good chances to create something. We blocked a couple shots uh, of theirs. They missed a couple... Or we missed a shot and they blocked a couple of our shots. And we won off of a header. We won on variance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we won off of a set piece. Like I, I don't have much more than what we've talked about tonight. Um, so, Daniel, if you don't have anything else, uh, thank you for joining. It was a pleasure talking to you about the good old Orlando City again. And where can our listeners find you at? Um, I don't know, actually. I've forgotten. Actually, yeah, I yeah, did. On Twitter, Bucket Man 1982. It's the pub, Daniel. Oh, is that where I'm supposed to be? I'm, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Thank you very much. Really appreciate you coming on. Hope you guys enjoyed. And as always, vamos Orlando. Good night. Man in MLS!